Welcome to HiveMind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio with Eli McCann and Nick Morley. Hey, guys. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, Good. How are you? Can't complain. Good. Now I've got those pleasantries out of the way. (laughs) Tell me what you've been watching. I recently watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, how did it go for you? It's pretty bleak, you guys. Yep. Uh, I couldn't finish it. Same. It's... (laughs) a little depressing Mm -hmm. so i wanted to bring up a could be a sensitive Mm. topic yes have we reached the (laughs) end (laughs) have we reached the end of the coen brothers greatness um i don't think the coen brothers care about greatness i think they're just going to keep making stuff right but did you think this was not good the production was great but as far as like the stuff they've made in the like it was no fargo yeah like no that's what i'm saying like in the eyes of the media consumer Mm mm-hmm do you think Ballad of Buster Scruggs is up there? Um, I, I, I think that the Coen brothers make a lot more than people are aware of. Like what? Like Hudsucker Proxy and the one with, you know, she was really big in the <laughs> 90s. I'm not aware of either of those things. And it's the one where the guy thinks he has an asthma inhaler, but it's really a gun. What? Yeah. Yeah, see, exactly. Like, there are just Coen Brother movies that people don't see, and then every once in a while there's a really big one that people really love. Okay. Oh, okay. So I feel All like right. that's that could be my problem. And people like Buster Scruggs. It got a lot of critical I know, right? Acclaim. It did. Yeah. 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 So, it's just, what do it I was, know? It was too depressing. Once I got to the part where, spoiler alert, where the guy throws the amputee oh, yeah. over I, the water, I was just like, all right, I don't need to watch this. You know, I looked him up. The dude that had no arms or legs. Arm. It's a uh, the Dursley kid in Harry Potter. Oh, he, that's why he yeah. looked familiar. <laughs> I was oh like, I've gosh. seen this guy in something. Wow, anyway. that's that is blowing my mind. I know, right? I'm now picturing him. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but that was that was uh... took off a few pounds and some limbs. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of pounds. <laughs> Do you think he really lost the limbs for the part? Oh, yeah. absolutely! Total method actor, dedicated to yeah. the craft. <laughs> this one role in a vignette. <laughs> uh, and the other, I also have another problem. I keep going back to old television shows. It's uh, not a problem. I, I know, right? But I feel like I should broaden my horizons and mm. watch all the new stuff that's out there. But I was doing some stuff around the house, and I walked by, and my wife was watching the pilot of Friday Night Lights. And I'm like, wait a second, what are you doing? And and she said, oh, this is my new show. And I'm like, no, it's not. It can't be your new show because we don't have time for this. (laughs) So uh, That's a big investment, too. Over the weekend, I watched five episodes of Friday Night Lights. She's Um, never seen it before? Oh, no, she's seen it before. That's the best pilot I've ever seen. Ever. Amazing. Anyway. So that will consume my life for the I next little bit. I just got chills bit, thinking but... about Friday Night Lights. Right? That's funny that you mention it. I went to bed last night thinking about the pilot of Friday Night Lights. I was literally thinking about that as I went to bed last night. Wow. So, weird. Coach Taylor is my second dad. Coach T. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. That's what you've been watching. That's yeah. what's good. Oh, thanks. Good, good list. Thanks. Uh, Eli, what have you been watching? I've watched and completed the entirety of Pen15. Mm-hmm. Oh, Meg, that show is a good thing. I just watched the latest episode last night. I didn't realize they were putting out more episodes. What? The dance episode. So wait, are they still making episodes? I guess because well, I thought it ended at the one previous, but then this new one popped up. Okay. Well, for those who don't know, this is Meg recommended this. It's a show starring these two women in their 30s who play 13-year-olds in the year 2000, and all of the other kids in the cast are actual 13 year olds 
And so, Meg, what's funny is when you told me that, I thought it was going to be a lot zanier and just really over-the-top comical. And I was excited for that. But actually, they pass for 13-year-olds. After about half an episode, I kind of forgot that they were 30-year-old women. One of them is taller than all the other kids, but she still looks 13. And the other one just looks 13. And they do such a good job, not in like a cartoonish way of taking on the persona of a 13-year-old girl that you just kind of like Hmm. fall into it. The show was substantially more serious than I thought it was going to be. It's still a comedy Mm -hmm. and it's heavy on the comedy. But hearing the premise, I did not expect it to have any element of seriousness. But every episode has some pretty heavy stuff. Well, because being a 13-year-old is rough. It's rough. It's a rough time to be alive. Yeah. For pretty much everybody. So a lot of it is like watching the movie Eighth Grade where you're like, man, I kind of hate this. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm appreciating it because I've lived it. So, Meg, I got a question for you then. I had a couple of friends who liked the movie Eighth Grade, but their one complaint about it was that they said they could tell that it was written by a man trying to figure out what a 13-year-old girl's experiences were like. Really? Hmm. And I wondered when I was watching this if those same friends would feel like this had what Eighth Grade was missing because it is definitely a heavier on, like, the girl experience. Yeah, it's a very female point of view. Yeah. So would you agree with that about eighth grade? I didn't feel that way about eighth grade, but I do feel like this is more of a female perspective than eighth grade was. Eighth grade, I feel like, was just what it's like to be a human in eighth grade, not necessarily a female. A girl, yeah. Whereas Pen15 deals a lot with, like, starting your period and Mm. wearing a thong and things that are coming of Graphically 13-year-old girl. Like, it's gross. The show is gross a lot of the time because being 13 is gross. Yeah, it is. Being a 13-year-old girl is gross. Anyway, it's on Hulu. I would recommend it if you're willing to put up with that grossness and some language. Yeah. I last night started the first part of the Neverland Michael Jackson. Doc. I don't I, know if I can do it. I don't know Look, if I can either. I'll tell you, it is substantially more graphic than I was expecting. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And I'm a child sex abuse lawyer. That's what I do for work. And so I have a lot of conversations that you wouldn't want to listen in on. And even I halfway through this thing, I was just like getting uncomfortable, like, oh my gosh, I don't need this much detail. I only made it about halfway through the first part. It's real sad. And I don't know what I'm supposed to feel about the whole thing. And it's weird that he's dead now. And it's just... You know, I think we all knew if you grew up in the 90s or were alive in the 90s, you knew that there were these accusations against him and everybody kind of figured, yeah, he probably at least did something wrong. But I had never heard any detail about who these people were and what happened to them. And it's disturbing. So I think the question is, so why do this now? He's gone. And I think maybe the answer, though I haven't seen the documentary, is listen to people when Mm -hmm. they speak up. Right. Sure. We weren't really listening in the 90s. We weren't really listening to the people who accused R. Kelly for a long time. Hmm. We're still not listening to the woman who accused Trump. You know, all these things where yeah. we give celebrities a pass when we shouldn't. We're like 10 years too late. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we need to have a quicker turnaround on that. Yeah. I think would be an invaluable lesson to take from that. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. So The Bachelor wrapped up. Mm-hmm. It was the finale. I... It, I was uncomfortable, a very different uncomfortable from the uncomfortable you experienced, but still, like, I had to turn it off eventually. I was so uncomfortable. Here's the thing about you white men. Yes. Not great listeners. 
There were multiple times throughout the season when other women said, like, hey, listen, Cassie's not ready to get married. Cassie herself was like, hey, you know what? I'm not ready to get married. <laughs> Cassie's dad was like, hey, you know what? Cassie's not ready to get married. <laughs> oh, gosh. Colton's like, you know, I think you're ready. I think you're ready. I think we should do this. He just decided for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100% decided for her. Four things on camera. What's she going to do? Right. Right. So now they're together, quote unquote. I can't. I can't deal with that, that that happened. But so they didn't they, get engaged. They are together. They are together. They're not engaged. Okay. Oh. But I think she was strong-armed into it. Oh, yeah. Which makes me really uncomfortable. Mm. And they picked Hannah B. for the next Bachelorette. Uh, she's super obnoxious. I don't know if I can do it. Hmm. They then brought out the guy she's going to date next season, and they had like these super awkward introductions. That's when I had to turn it off. I just could not handle these people anymore. I just don't understand how this show can work because, look, the premise of the show is that here is a person that a large group of quality people would want to compete to be with, and we're going to assume that this pool of people is going to all want this person and this person just has to decide which one they want the most i guess that works fine if it's the 18th century and we're dealing with a prince and a whole bunch of like the women throughout the land yeah but here we've just got just men and women who are all have pretty equal lives and so what's weird to me is whenever you get to the end of one of these seasons of this show and you have all these women who have competed for this guy and then they pick one of those women and they're like Next season, we're going to find 20 guys who will all automatically want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that work? So I think that there's some psychology that plays into it, right? You're told that this man is the most valuable man. And you want to be better than all the other women or men you're competing against, right? So it's not so much about ending up with this guy who you don't know at all, but it's about being better than the 29 other Yeah people you're competing against. Shouldn't the structure of the show just mean that we're filtering down season after season to just the worst people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. That's and that's exactly why it's entertaining, happened. I guess. That's why I'm watching it. Hey, sorry, tangent. Yeah. How come no introduction to Bachelor in Paradise? Are they not doing that anymore? That's after The Bachelorette. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> Because that is by far the pump, best piece of content that Chris Harrison puts pump out. Pump that every shiz year. into my veins. <laughs> what am I doing in this room? <laughs> it is so oh, good. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's Milf Island, but real. <laughs> it's no. Um, I watched all six available episodes of Shrill. Mm. Starting AD Bryant. AD Bryant. Speaking of a female perspective. She's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. Lindy West is the writer who wrote the essays that inspired this show. It's a very female perspective. I don't know if you're not a female, if you've never dealt with like body issues, if it's something that would interest you, but it is well written. It's well acted. Hmm. Good characters. Where can you find it? It's on Hulu. Hulu, right? Okay. Yeah. And Queer Eye season three. Oh, yeah, I started that. I watched the first couple episodes. Yeah. For me, Queer Eye now has become like the show that's on when I'm doing other things. Yeah. Just because I feel like I get a little tired of Kuamo. 
Karamo and Anthony. <laughs> no, no, we got to talk about Anthony. Just Does that guy serve forward. any purpose no. whatsoever? He ser- I tweeted about this yesterday, and people were <laughs> mad at me because I made fun of Anthony and how he has no purpose. The first episode. Again, to still Meg's words from the last time we talked about this, Bobby is taking a house down to the studs. Yeah. And Jonathan is transforming the outside of a human being. And Tan is going on a shopping spree for clothes. Karamo, I'm not sure what he's doing. And Anthony takes her to lunch. Or makes guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> no, on this first episode, he took her to lunch and he's oh, yeah. like, we're going to order lobster. And they order lobster. And that's his contribution yeah. is that she ate lobster. And I'm just like, you serve. No. So I tweeted about this and people were like, well, food is the whatever window to the this and that soul. And we need a food person. I'm like, I'm not opposed to having somebody who can teach them about food. I just want someone who can teach them about food. <laughs> Does he, he even cook? Did you see the camp counselor episode? No. What oh, yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah. He has him make... Hot dogs. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's some pork thing that you have to intricately tie and cook at a certain temperature. He's a camp counselor. Uh. Like, teach him how to make sloppy joes, you know? Yeah. Like, Anthony. But then he looks at the camera and he's like, the hottest person alive. No. And I'm like, I forgive he you. He has a clown mouth. Okay, I can't get into this. <laughs> uh, but I feel like Karamo is just like... Karamo is more pointless than Anthony. Okay, the reason that he is is because he tells these people common sense things. Like, when you go to a job interview, be confident. Wear a tie. Like, they'll love okay. you for that. And it's like, all right. Or Every... also, like, you're white. I'm black. Thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, Karamo does something helpful. There was the sure. episode where he made the website for the stand-up comedian because the stand-up comedian had no online presence. And I was like, that is actually helpful. That is much more helpful than opening a container of hummus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it should be the Fab Three, if we're being right. Yes, It's Tan's, Jonathan's, and Bobby's show. I, would, I don't care who, I would what be, anyone says. I would be okay if Jonathan and Tan just split all of the responsibilities between the two of them. I'm sure they both can decorate a house. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's not like Bobby's like, actually doing the construction work. So just if, if we're being honest, I would just watch Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let it be Jonathan's show. Yeah. The Fab One. Yeah. So yeah, season three is on Netflix. I'm a little weary of the like, this show is changing the world. Mm-hmm. I just kinda like want to see it makeover. Takes and itself so, a little too seriously. It takes seriously. itself a little, a little seriously. Yeah. So I usually like kind of zone in the last fifteen minutes, the first forty five. I'm just doing whatever and yeah. paying attention. Yeah. Are we ready to yes. talk about the office? Yes. Oh, let's do it. So last week we talked about Thirty Rock. And 30 Rock is funny in that it's joke, 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 right? Yep. I feel like The Office, which was a contemporary of 30 Rock, mm-hmm. is funny for very different reasons. Yep. I want to hear why you thought The Office was funny. It was kind of my first exposure to the mockumentary. Single camera. Yeah, mommy. single camera, 25-minute episode. And it was something that no one had ever seen before. Actually, was Malcolm in the Middle the first one to do it? Did Malcolm in the Middle do it? Oh, they were the first single camera, but I think the British office was the first mockumentary Mockumentary. part. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch the British version, so sorry for all the purists out there. That it's better. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Ricky Gervais. I have watched it, and I will tell you it is not better. Okay. All right. I'm putting it down. I feel like it's cringier. Yeah, it is cringier. Yeah. Yeah. But... It goes beyond Seinfeld taking the normal everyday stuff that you deal with and making it hilarious. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Seinfeld, it's New York. These people live in this huge city, and there are experiences that not all of us are going to have. But The Office, like, everybody works at like, some job that they hate. In a town like Scranton. Yeah, like. and, like, being able yeah. to shed light on that and being able to 
pick and prod the things that bug us the most. That's what was so hilarious to me. I was a little... I remember the first time I watched The Office, I was like, I'm kind of bored. Something about the single camera mm-hmm. format, I was not used to it. I wasn't used to the pacing. Yeah. I wasn't used to the lack of response. Yeah. And it threw me. There's sure. a lot of silence in yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> and especially at the beginning, they get faster paced toward the end, which I didn't like or hate. It just Their pacing just changed a bit. Mm-hmm. But that first season in particular, you have a lot of Michael Scott saying something awkward and then long pauses of Pam just kind of staring at him. <laughs> and it is, it takes some getting used to, but once you yeah. do, you so appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll say The Office is easily my favorite comedy that's ever been made. Like I said last week, I think 30 Rock is the funniest show I've ever seen. The Office is valuable to me in a different way. It makes me laugh a lot. But The Office also did character development better than any comedy I had ever seen before or have seen since. And it weirdly in this way that I deeply, deeply cared about all of these characters. Do you guys remember, especially in the early seasons, when they would get to a season finale, they would leave you with such a cliffhanger that it was all anybody could talk about for weeks. The scene at the end of season two, when Jim walks into the office and finally confesses his love for Pam and kisses her, and then the scene ended, that was all anybody talked about for weeks is what is going to happen between these characters. And it was because in such a short time, they made you care Mm-hmm. so deeply about yeah. these characters that were just working in an office that's similar to the offices we work in. And I think that they were able to do that largely through subtlety and they didn't rush the stories. I mean, we had an entire basically first two seasons where hardly any development happened between the Jim and Pam relationship, but there would be tiny little nuggets in every episode where Pam would lay her head on Jim's shoulder when she was tired during a meeting and Jim would smile. Mm -hmm. And it was just the tiniest little things and no dramatic monologues that, you know, shoved it in your face. And so it made you want to come back every single week and see what they were going to give you next. So what gave the show... It's lasting power. Because when this show aired, when it was on NBC on Thursday night, it was the show, right? My friends and I, we'd either get together Thursday night and watch it or we'd tape it. We'd watch it later. It was always who's watching The Office? Whose house are we going to? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it. What's been interesting to me is I follow a bunch of youths on Twitter. Youths? Yeah. People (laughs) who are current college students. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And they love the office i didn't know you were that cool you had (laughs) i'm very cool yeah you might not know this but i have three podcasts meg i know sorry wow i'm essentially a white dude (laughs) (laughs) you are (laughs) so what is it i mean is it because of those relationships is it because of the way they did comedy that makes it so endearing is it because it's an accurate representation of the workplace if maybe just a little bit of a hyperbole I think it's all of those things. And I think it was consistently good performances from literally everyone in the show. I think it's a real feat that by the time Michael Scott left the show, I was very sad to lose that person in my life because he's the most obnoxious character Mm -hmm. to be on a show ever. But you love him. So much. And I was so happy for him that he got happiness. (laughs) That he found a woman just as annoying as he is. Yeah. Right. Who were, what were the best performances of that show? Okay, this is not, I think, a popular opinion, but I think that Steve Carell deserves all the credit in the world, but I think that Jenna Fisher as Pam Beasley was the best performance of the show. 
I think she's an underrated person in the show. People don't think of her as one of the zany, funny people in it. But especially as the seasons go on, if you pay attention to it, she actually provides a ton of comedy because she's a relatable character for most people Mm -hmm. and that she's got confidence issues that she's always trying to work through. And her confidence issues create so much comedy in the show. And a lot of what the other people are doing, like Angela and Kelly, is reacting to this thing that Pam puts out for them. Yeah. What do you guys think? BJ Novak. BJ Yeah. Ryan the Temp is like forever one of my favorite. Like the trope that he goes through being the, the dude that starts journey. the fight. <laughs> Getting to be the, the, what does he call himself, the wunderkind in, yeah. in New York. And yeah. then ultimately going back full circle to being the temp again. You can tell that he had so much fun writing that part for himself. Like yeah. he was like, what am I going to make myself do next? And him and Mindy Kaling are best friends, right? So yeah. like, He it, might be the baby daddy. There are rumors. Really? There are rumors. They've <gasps> dated multiple times. Really? That yeah. would be amazing. I think Mindy Kaling is really a great I love her. Because we all know a Kelly Kapoor. Yeah. (laughs) And she has some of the funniest lines from the entire show. My favorite, favorite, probably like one second clip of the show is when she's yelling at Ryan and she's like, well, guess what, buddy? I'm pregnant and I'm (laughs) I'm keeping keeping it. And then it flashes to her in her own interview and she just shakes her head. (laughs) It is one of the funniest, that one. And then there's another line when they're in a meeting and they all start arguing over whether the word who or whom should have been used in a sentence. And they're all just like very quick paced throwing out lines like, well, how did this? He said that. It should be who if you're saying it like this. And they're all saying these lines. And then somebody says, well, how did Michael use it in a sentence? And Kelly says, not Michael. What's the temp's name? Ryan. Ryan. She's like, how did Ryan use it? And Kelly goes, Ryan used me. Or something. Like, she just like <laughs> says it very subtly. <laughs> or she, Ryan used me as an object is what she says. And every time I like cry every time in that scene. My favorite Kelly moment is they never do any work in this office. And they... Put up a picture of Hillary Swank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to determine if she is hot or not. They're taking votes. They're arguing both sides. And Kelly loses it. Yeah. She's like, if Hillary Swank isn't hot, then there's no way I'm hot. And that's like... So she is hot. That's something I relate to on a very real level. Like, anytime somebody's like, that celebrity's not that good looking. I'm like, if she's not good looking, then I'm a pig. Like, you cannot... <laughs> do that uh, <laughs> i'm a little bit kelly kapoor is what i'm saying there i love kelly creed it was always oh, anytime yeah. creed oh. came out i mean it was rare but like his blog that creed ryan thoughts. set up for him <laughs> even for not, the internet it's pretty shocking <laughs> it has like nine different web address endings <laughs> to protect the world from creed and his, and his i love jan I think Jan oh. is a great character in that show. She is she is so crazy, but she's so competent that those two things like come to battle with one another. And it is every episode that had Jan, I felt like it was a gift. And actually, it's really uncomfortable. But watching her unravel during season four, yeah, when she like gets the boob job, she yeah. loses her job, she yeah. moves in with Michael, and it all culminates in I think the best episode <laughs> the of the, the dinner party. party. That's the best episode of all time. It is so good. It's so uncomfortable and so <laughs> darkly funny. Like, because you know those people, like yeah. you know those couples where you're like, oh my gosh, you guys are so bad for each other. You're so bad for each yeah, other. Yeah, so unhealthy. Like. <laughs> What is happening? And just watching that play out on a TV show and like poor Jim and Pam who are like actually betraying each other to try and get out of that thing. Yeah. 
I so I, I saw a tweet thread recently where somebody asked what is the most what is what is the cringiest episode of the office and a lot of people said the dinner party but then one person was like no you guys have forgotten about Scott's tots oh my and then gosh. all oh. these people were like oh I skipped that yeah, episode when I, can't I rewatched watch it anymore I think that episode is so brilliant but to remind <laughs> you this is an episode where Michael Scott 10 years before had promised a bunch of inner city kids that if they graduated from high school, he would pay for their college because he sincerely believed that he would have enough money by then to pay for their college. Well, the 10 years comes and they invite him to the school to present the check and he has no money and he has to go tell all of these inner city school kids that he can't pay for their college. Well, and, he's and they like do a song for as him. a hero Scott's when he walks tots. into school. They have a song <laughs> and the t-shirts. They made t-shirts and they're so excited to see their hero. It and it is so uncomfortable it is rough <laughs> but also very funny you know my very favorite episode i love the dinner party but my absolute favorite episode that i've watched more than any of the others is the business school one where michael scott goes oh. to talk to the business school and pam has her art yeah. show and this is the best character development that i saw on the show was and i love the relationship between michael scott and pam because i think it's really deep and interesting and pam invites everybody to come to her art show and she gets kind of a lukewarm response and pretty much no one shows up to her art show. Michael Scott has his own worst day ever speaking to Ryan's business yeah. school and finding out that Ryan has thrown him under the bus to his classmates. And in the last scene, Michael Scott rushes into the art show just as Pam is starting to take her art down and she's deflated. And he tells her that he's proud of her and she starts crying and gives him a hug. That is my favorite scene of all 10 seasons of The Office. I think something that The Office does very well is establish these relationships between people who on the surface really annoy each other. Mm -hmm. There's the moment wherein Pam has just given Karen relationship advice mm -hmm. for her relationship with Jim. Yeah. And it was really hard for her and she goes outside and she's crying and Dwight comes over. <laughs> Dwight is like a terrible human, right? And he's never nice to anybody. But yeah. Pam is crying and he wants to comfort her and he gives her his jacket. <laughs> And he's rubbing her back. And he says, so your PMS is pretty hard, huh? <laughs> Which is obviously not what's happening, but it's so funny. Yeah. He's trying. Yeah. You know, like these people are, for the most part, trying. And they love each other. They drive each other nuts. Because that's what your colleagues do. They drive you nuts. Yeah. Um, but in the end, if it's a good workplace, you love them and you do anything for them. It is for that reason that this series finale was phenomenal. Yeah. Because all these people who have been driving each other crazy deeply love one another and their characters have been developed so well that it's believable. I have no problem believing at the end of the series that Dwight considers Jim one of his very best friends, even though they have tortured one another for 10 years. Yeah. And it's really, really cute to like watch them feel sadness that they're not going to work together anymore. Yeah. 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 Andy Bernard has a line in the mm. season finale and he says, I wish somebody could tell you that you were in the good old days. While they're happening. While they're happening, yeah. yeah. And like that's kind of like, it encapsulates the whole show is that, sure, there were like crazy things that happened in the office and they didn't necessarily love working there, but they'll always look back at that time and just smile about the dumb stuff that happened. So like mm -hmm. you kind of think about that and like the horrible jobs that you've ever had that like, that taught me a lot. It was cool. So it's a relatable show that if they ever take off of Netflix, there's going to be a big problem. <laughs> So I, I was a lot kinder to The Office on my rewatches than I was on the initial run through. Yeah. I always loved the show. Yeah. But when Michael Scott, when Steve Carell leaves the show, 
I remember at the time for the rest of the series thinking this isn't as good, this isn't as good, but I'll finish it out, whatever, because I like these characters enough. On my rewatch, I actually think that the show doesn't get worse. I miss Michael Scott's character, but the writing doesn't get worse. The jokes don't get less funny to me. There's only one part, Will Ferrell, I cannot stand, and the series of episodes that he's in I wish did not happen. But other than that, I think it's a really good show, and the final season was like very compelling. Well, I think we don't know we're in the golden days. That's right. how they're gone, yeah. right? They're gone. It was really good TV, and we were just like, oh, it's not season three. Right. But like, yeah. it, was still it was still great television. Good, it and it's hard to find network television that 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 good yeah. anymore. It's true. It's just not really happening. We've been talking about The Office for a long time. My husband listened to the 30 Rock episode and he's like, it was really funny, but you guys didn't actually talk about the show. So I think... <laughs> <laughs> what did he want us to say? I mean, maybe what the show's about. Oh. So for fear of doing that, The Office is a group of people who work in an office together every day. And it's about the relationships they build in a failing company that's failing pretty much the duration of the show. The company's always. never doing well. Yeah, hanging uh, on. They're always this fear of being fired, but they'd all be okay with being fired when it comes down to it. they hate their job. They hate their job, but they love each other. It's great. It's going to stand the test of time, yeah. I think. It's one of the first of its kind, and it's worth revisiting. There's a show I want us to watch for next week because it's been a while since we've done something we truly hate. Yes. Oh, nice. There's a show actually my friend Chris just told me about called Diesel Brothers, which is about guys who get diesel trucks and drive them around. And it's on Hulu. Oh, no. I want us all to watch at least one episode. (laughs) All right. Diesel Brothers. I'm writing it down. And come next week and talk about it. All right. Until then, remember to leave us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to Hive Mind and we will see you next week. Bye.